Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, these we lift up to you today, each one for healing, for restoration, for deliverance, for salvation. And dear God, today for restoration and the things that you are doing in their lives. And dear Lord, today we know you've come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. And we know today that you're doing that and we ask that abundance would take place in the lives that are mentioned here in these prayers, but also here in this congregation. That dear God, today our hearts would overflow with joy. And we know that Jesus, Lord, counted it all joy because he endured the cross. And we know, Lord, today that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us right now. And we pray today, we covet those prayers, O God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, straight from the heart of God, because he is God. And we know today, Father, that you're doing great things in the earth. We just want to be a part of them. We pray today, Father, if there be anyone here who's never received Christ, who's never really just opened their heart and said, Jesus, I want you to come in and forgive me. And be my Lord and Savior. Dear God, today would be the day. Father, today, we ask today, during this service, by your grace and your power, that all shame and all guilt would be washed away because of the blood at Calvary. We pray today, Father, that every person would experience that. And walk in the freedom when Jesus said, I've come to set the captive free. We know today that's exactly what you've done. You've come to set us free. And help us, dear God, that those, those shackles that may bind us, that they be thrown aside. And we would run that race with endurance because we know today that Jesus endured the cross. We praise you. Bless each and every one that's been mentioned. Bless this congregation. The families, the extension, the representative of many families in this place today. May your grace abound in our hearts as we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, it's my special privilege to introduce, as you all know, Michelle Louthan, that she's going to bring special music at this time. Michelle, would you come and bless us? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucify my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were 
you there when they rose up from the grave? Were you there when they rose up from the grave? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they he rose from the grave? If you'll turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 15 through 29. The title is Beyond the Cross. Beyond the Cross and the Resurrection. In verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the invisible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And once you were alienated and hostile in your minds because of your evil actions, but now... He has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and I'm completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory." We proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. We celebrate Jesus Christ as risen from the grave. And this particular message is about beyond the cross, beyond anything we'd ever imagine in our life because we know that The message of the cross is foolishness to the world. But those who believe, it's the power unto salvation. We know, obviously, that this resurrection means the restoration of hope. Someone has said we can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, 
but only a few seconds without hope. Speaking of the role of hope in our lives, one man said it like this, despair all too readily embraces the ills it foresees. Hope is an energy that arouses the mind to explore every possibility to combat them. The people who are part of the first resurrection, the first Easter, knew all about the need for hope in order to be able to continue on. They had knelt there at the foot of the cross, watching the one that had come and and who carried the dreams and hopes of all of mankind, and they saw those hopes and dreams die. They had listened as he said, Father, into my hands I commend my spirit. And then they saw him bow his head for the last time. Their guts had wrenched as the Roman soldier plunged the spear into his side, removing all doubt that Jesus was really dead. They followed those who carried him to the tomb, and when they heard the resounding sound of the rock that sealed the tomb, they knew that their hope was dead. Sealed in the tomb with the one that they thought was their savior. They knew what it was like to be hopeless. And sometimes in our lives, we know what it's like possibly are confronted with that hopelessness, maybe in marriage or maybe we have children who have gone astray and maybe they're not seeking the Lord. And, and we know that obviously the, their only future is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know, obviously, the mistakes that we've made in our lives. We know the the sin that's there. And sometimes we know that, obviously, that hope seems to be diminished because of the things that we're confronted with on a regular basis. And you're tempted to give up to the fact that God Almighty loves us and He forgives us and He can make something good out of our lives. This morning, I want you, obviously, to experience the same restoration that those first century Christians experienced when they came to the tomb and heard the words, Jesus is not here, he is risen, just as he said. They discovered that there is a hope beyond the cross. And what you're doing through or whatever you've done does not need to be destroyed because obviously Jesus brings hope. So there are several points I want to bring here. Then I want to culminate this message with the power that we have to overcome whatever comes our way. The first thing we want to see is beyond the cross and the resurrection is that hope endures even through suffering. We know in suffering that many times we're confronted with the fact that will we ever get through and will this illness or this particular persecution or whatever it may be, will it ever end here? But we know obviously that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. But although we see that we're in this world and we know that there's a battle that's going on, And we need to be reminded that Jesus Christ always imparts hope to our hearts here. But suffering can bring us closer to Christ. We know it teaches us total dependency upon him. And obviously, how many of you today are going through circumstances or have gone through circumstances where you know that you could not have made it without God on your side? Do you know about that? I do. And I could not have made it if God Almighty had not been on my side. You see, what this teaches us is that total dependency upon the Lord. Our grandson, Rex. The other day, Cindy was sitting and feeding me. He was sitting there. And, you know, the, as a baby, they're just so innocent. And, and she was feeding him, and he looked over and smiled. And, you know, he's sitting there. Cindy went in and changed his diaper put on fresh clothes and all, and even when he made a real bad messy. I said, Cindy, this is, isn't this your turn? 
Even in, in, when the worst of the worst as we see it today at all. I looked in his face. We, <clears throat> I looked in his face. And I saw innocence. And you know what came to mind was the fact that I realized Rex's total dependency upon his parents and his grandparents. It was almost like a revelation that God gave me through his spirit that he revealed to me the total dependency upon the parents and others to take care of him. But you know what I also saw was? I didn't see a worry in the world. I saw a happy little boy who's nine months old and going through life growing up, facing the tribulations and and obviously, as Cindy has mentioned, the illness here and all, and uh, facing a surgery that we know can be really challenging. But I saw a little boy that's totally dependent upon the Lord and upon his family. And you know what it reminded me of? Is that Jim Barcliffe is totally dependent upon God Almighty. I saw a childlike faith in his life there, but a, a joy that was there, a happiness that was there, a completely just free life that he had. And I saw that and I went, Lord, isn't that the way we're supposed to live? And you know what happens is even when we go through suffering as is spoken of here today, that it actually can bring you closer to the Lord. It actually can do one of two things. It can either drive you away to become bitter, to become obviously just away from God, or it can draw you closer to the Lord. But suffering also assures believers that they belong to Christ here. Jesus told us that we should expect persecution and suffering here. They persecuted him. He promised that they would persecute us. I don't think we understand all the things that we could face in life here in this country, in a country that we know we have so much freedom, in a country where people are trying to get into this country any way they can today to experience that. But in spite of that, I don't think we understand what we could go through in life and what Jesus Christ warned us about, and that is persecution. And so suffering may have to do one of two things, and that is draw us closer to the Lord, or obviously that we may go away from the Lord and say, God, why is this happening to me? And become bitter and obviously ostracized from the Lord here. Obviously, it says here that he had to fill up Christ's affliction. It wasn't that Jesus' death and resurrection wasn't sufficient to pay for fall or our salvation. But in the world that we're in today, continues to pour out its hatred of Jesus on us. And this will continue until one day when God says that the cup is full and his judgment will be poured out. I don't think we understand how devastating the judgment of God can and will be. I don't believe that we understand anything when we look at books like the book of Revelation or when we read the inerrant and infallible word of God. The judgment that God will bring upon those who don't receive Christ, who've never received him, who are happy-go-lucky, who are taking every day as a party. I don't believe they understand the severity of rejecting what Jesus Christ did at Calvary when he died on the cross for all of mankind and he arose from the grave. Well, I don't believe they understand that. You and I have a choice to make when we go through suffering. 
You and I have a choice to make when we go through persecution, and that is that we are to draw closer to Christ. Jesus said to expect it. But we see also that suffering reminds believers that this world is not our home. It's not. It's just a temporary place, isn't it? Suffering reminds us today that there is a better place. Suffering reminds us that Jesus said when he said, I've gone to go to prepare a place for you. I want you to be with me so bad I prepared it. And that right time, perfect timing of God's will, that we'll go home to be with him throughout eternity and there'll no longer be any suffering. Suffering changes believers and it produces hope in us. Now, let me make myself clear here is we're not talking about just that I hope so, but it actually means obviously the definite that we are convinced that these things will take place exactly the way God Almighty has written in his word. I heard about an interesting scientific experiment that was done a while back at Duke University. A group of behavioral scientists put some wharf rats in a tank of water and observed them to see how long they would survive before drowning. And the average time was 17 minutes. Then they repeated the experiment But this time they rescued the rats just before the point of drowning, dried them off, and returned them to their cages. They fed them and let them play for a few days and repeated the drowning experiment. This time, the average survival time for these rats increased from 17 minutes to 36 hours. The scientists explained this phenomenon by pointing out that the second time around, the rats had hope. They believed that they could survive this because they had done so before. And one scientist said they were able to survive because they had been saved. Amen. I know it's more than just those drowning rats. But you and I, if you're saved today, then you have hope. And you can survive the challenges in life. Whatever they may be. The disappointments in life. The things in life that you never expected. Maybe something came out of the clear blue and broadsided you, as it may be said. But we know you can survive because you have hope. Because you have a Savior who went through the same thing. He endured the cross. And last week we talked about, obviously, the forgiving the unforgivable when, when they drove the nails in his hands and drove the nails in his feet. When they did, they whipped him beyond right to the point of death. When they put that crown of thorn on his head, when they did all these things, and yet Jesus endured and and finally said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You and I, because we've seen Jesus suffer also, that we too have hope. Because there, when the ladies went to the grave and they said, well, Jesus is not here. Why are you looking for the dead there amongst the living? Jesus is alive and he's alive forevermore. We are the only religion that has a, a, a king, a, a savior that's alive. All the rest of those religious symbols and people and all those people that they worship today, they're still in the grave. Jesus has risen from the grave. We have hope because of that. On one man's broadcast, the word for today, he says, as long as there's life, there's hope. The Duke experiment proved as long as there's hope, there's life there. Every time that you make it over some obstacle in your life, it gives you hope that empowers you to make it over the next obstacle that comes along. 
when you're faced with a situation that threatens to steal your hope, you need to look back and see how God has delivered you in the past. Has he done it in your life? He's done it in my life. God has spared my life. I know on many occasions. And sometimes, I believe many times, that I have not even seen. And I guarantee the same is for you to hear today. Look back. Remember, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Why? It's because he looked back and he saw how God had brought him through things. And David had hope. And you and I have hope also today. We see, obviously, this power is still available for us. You can make it over. Suffering captures the attention of unbelievers to bring them to Christ. They look at your life and they look at my life. It could be that somehow that God is trying to get their attention in and through your life in the suffering that you're going through. And I believe that he looks to see how we respond to that suffering. When you die, your response to the voice of God will determine your final fate. Your suffering will either eternally end or will have just eternally begun, one or the other. No more suffering in heaven. You ever looked at how that new Jerusalem and all those things, you look at the book of Revelation. Maybe we'll talk about it in the future. But you look at the book of Revelation, and you look at what will happen in the end times. Let me tell you today, I'm glad I'm a child of the king. Are you? Have you been saved? Do you know about that? Do you have the hope of Christ, the hope of glory? In your life today, do you know him? Have you put your faith in him? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about these things of trying to be good. A lot of people today try to be good. I gave up. And I said, Lord, I can't. And Jesus said, I can. Beyond the cross and the resurrection, hope sustains our purpose here. You see, every war has military prisoners. Some survive and some don't. A study was done of concentration camp survivors to discover the common characteristics of those who did not succumb to disease and starvation in the concentration camps. One man, Viktor Frankl, was a living answer to that question. In a speech he gave after his release, he said there, this, there's only one reason why I'm here today. What kept me alive was you. Others gave up hope. One morning, a prisoner would just refuse to get up. He wouldn't get dressed or washed or go outside to the parade at grounds. No amount of pleading by his fellow prisoners would help. No threatening by the captors would have any effect. Losing all hope, he has simply given up. He would lay there in his own excrement till he died. And the American soldiers called it, give up it is. But I refused to give up. I dreamed and I dreamed that someday I would be here telling you how I, Victor Frankl, had survived the Nazi concentration camps. I've never been here before. I've never seen of you, any of you before. I've never given this speech before. But in my dreams, in my dreams, I've stood before you and said these words a thousand times. He had established a purpose for himself and it kept his hopes alive through all that he faced. Paul had a purpose also. He was given to him, he was given to him by God and, and he was to be a servant to the churches, delivering the message to him, them and helping them grow in their faith. He went through a lot of pain in order to fulfill that purpose. He was stoned, imprisoned, beaten, betrayed, shipwrecked, but he never lost hope. He had a purpose, and that purpose kept him going. Jesus had a purpose also, you see. He said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for us. And I wonder when he, if he, when he was looking down from history and saw you sitting there, if he was tempted to give up hope on you and for me. 
I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Aren't you glad he didn't give up on you? There's always hope today. We know in Jeremiah 29, 11 for this, obviously, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, not to destroy you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross because he was anticipating the joy of having you and me as a part of his family. He looked beyond the cross to see you and me. Isn't that good news today? He endured the cross. He wanted you and I to be a part of his family. And all who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. If we don't want God on this side, why do we think that we'll want God on the other side today? Those who reject him here on this earth, who have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ today, obviously, they are not going to want God when they get on the other side. You think that maybe after seeing his glory and maybe that will change their hearts? I don't believe so. I believe today is an opportunity to receive Jesus into your life and walk with Jesus and make him Lord and master of your life because he is Lord. And one day every knee will bow and one day every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. One day. Why not do it today? Why not make today that day? Because today is the day of salvation. But beyond the cross and resurrection, hope reveals the truth. Maybe you can identify with the little boy who was overheard talking to himself as he strutted through the backyard, wearing his baseball cap and toting a ball and bat, he said this, I'm the greatest hitter in the world, he announced. And then he tossed the ball into the air. He swung at it and it missed. Strike one, he yelled. Undaunted, he picked up the ball and said again, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he tossed the ball into the air. And when it came down, he swung and again he missed. Strike two, he cried. And the boy then paused a moment to examine his ball and his bat carefully. He spit on his hands and rubbed them together. He straightened his cap and said once more, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Again, he tossed the ball up in the air and swung at it. He missed. Strike three. Instead of falling into despair with all the hope of a child, he said, wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. (laughs) Children are full of hope, aren't they? They don't see life like you and I. Again, it's that childlike faith. It's believing beyond all the circumstances that you see and all the things that are coming against us because life is tough. I always have said this. I thought the older I get, I thought, well, things ease up a little bit. No, they get tougher. It's, a, it's a obviously uphill climb from now until Jesus comes back. Either he takes you back when you come and you take your last breath or he comes and raptures us out and he comes again. One or the other. But it is a battle each and every day. But we have hope, don't we? You know, somewhere along the way, a lot of people start to hear and believe lies. Lies like, you're no good. No one wants to be your friend. You might as well just go under a rock and die. And your only value is in what I can get out of you. Lies like that steal our hope here. But the truth is, each and every one of us in this place today in the world has hope and has value here. And obviously, when I remember that about others and about myself, it gives me hope. It blocks the lies so that I can see the truth. You see, isn't that good news? You see, we have value. God loves you and me. Jesus loves us. We sing that song for those that are are young at heart here. And we know we're all young at heart, aren't we? That's why we sing it. And that's why all of you sing it, too. It's not just for the children, the young people. It's for you and me to be reminded That Jesus loves me, this I know, 
For the Bible tells me so. You know, it reveals truth about the world. A man despairing of happiness in his life, he had climbed upon a, uh, the, the edge of, a, of the Brooklyn Bridge and was about to leap into the river when a policeman laid an arresting hand upon him and drew him back. But the man protested to the policeman saying, you don't understand how miserable I am and how hopeless my life is. Please let me go. And the kind-hearted officer talked with him and said, I'll make you this proposition. You take five minutes and give your reasons why life's not worth living, and then I'll take five minutes and give my reasons why I think life is worth living, both to you and for me. And if at the end of the ten minutes you still feel like jumping from the bridge, I'll not stop you. And the man then took his five minutes, and the officer took his five minutes. The result was at the end of the ten minutes, they joined hands and they both leaped off the bridge. (laughs) People don't have hope. You see, the reason I said this little story is, is that if you don't have hope, people pick up on it. If you don't have the power of God working and manifesting in your life, and maybe you'll be saved too. And you don't have that today. People pick up on it. They know whether or not what you're telling them that you, you really believe and that you know that you know that you know down in your heart. They pick up on it and go, well, you know, they don't have any more hope than I do. I might as well go ahead and end it. More people today are committing suicide. More people depressed today. More people don't see any are in despair and without hope today. But Jesus, because he arose from the grave, he gives us hope today. This is a reminder, church. This is a reminder to you and to me today that our hope is in Jesus, not in the material things around us because they come and go. They're very, very temporary. But the things of the Lord, the spiritual things that God places in your life, my life, They're eternal. People are looking for hope, but they're looking in all the wrong places and they find that they're not fulfilling false hope, probably worse than having no hope at all. And someone has said that probably nothing in the world arouses more false hope than the first four hours of a diet. Isn't that true? You go on a diet in the first four hours, let me tell you today, you'll go right straight to the pantry or go to the freezer and you'll look for that bluebell in a heartbeat, won't you? Everybody's pointing at one another. Obviously, we know we need hope. Our enemy, Satan, will try to do one of two things. Either he'll make you think life's hopeless or he'll try to get you to think that hope is found in the things of this world here. We know, obviously, people are looking to musicians. They're looking for leaders. They're looking for charismatic figures and all these types of things. You know why? They're looking for hope, and they're looking in the wrong places. They cannot give us hope. Jesus is the only one that can give it, and relationship with Christ is the only one. That's why he rose from the grave so that we would have eternal heart life, but not also just the eternal life, but also life more abundantly here. He wants us to be full of joy down deep in spite of those things. And we know, obviously, happiness can change, but joy down deep keeps us going today. That's not something that can't change if we are not allow it to. Hope reveals the truth that God loves us. It's hopeless to try to and be good enough to get God to love you. But the wonderful message of the Bible is that God loves you in spite of the hopeless condition that you're in today. Hope reveals the truth that God has a plan for us. Hope reveals the truth that God will never leave us. A first grader stood up in front of his class to give his speech, and he said, what I want to be when I grow up. And he said, I'm going to be a lion tamer and have lots of 
of fierce lions. I'll walk into the cage and they will roar. And he paused for a moment and thinking through what he just said. And then he added, but of course I'll have my mommy with me. (laughs) But of course we'll have our father with us, won't we? Our heavenly father, no matter what it is we face. I can face just about anything when I know that I obviously don't have to face it alone. God has promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Beyond the cross, hope awaits a reward. I don't have to wait until heaven to enjoy the fruits of relationship with God. Paul says, of Christ in me right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is living in me right now. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me right me. Now, you and I have that same resurrection power within us today. And you need to know that's the truth. God is saying today for tomorrow also in 1 Corinthians 15. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Amen. The first man, Adam, he obviously died. But the second man, Jesus, he arose from the grave. And the Bible says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on those things that are seen, but those things that are unseen. But those things that are seen are temporary. But those things that are unseen are eternal. We're wasting away on the outside. We're getting older. We're getting older. I went into the dermatologist last week. And I said, doctor, can you get rid of these, uh, I call them brown spots. You know what other people call them? Rosemary, don't say that. (laughs) They're called age spots. He said, Jim, he looked me over and all. He said, Jim, you look good to me. He said, anything I can do. He had his canister. And he said, I said, yes, sir. Can you get rid of these things on my face? He said, oh, yeah. So he took and he, he put that whatever it is, liquid nitrogen, it real freezes them off, okay? Now, (laughs) Doris, they do come back, don't they? But I came in and I said, I don't want to go in there. It looked all marked up today at the church service. People will look at my face and think, Lord, he's got leprosy. (laughs) So I I asked Cindy, I said, you got some something conceal these things? She said, this is the best stuff right here. So I went this morning dabbing away. I'll tell you, dab, 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 and, and, got, and went and dabbed them away there. I said, until they'll eventually go away, but right now they're still fresh. And so they dabbed away. Now, let me say this, and the reason I said it is because obviously I look at myself and I go, man, that looks good and so forth. But the truth of the matter is, just as the Bible says, Jim Barcliffe's wasting away. And Jim Barcliffe is getting older. But what does the Bible also say? Inwardly... We're being renewed day by day. We're getting stronger on the inside spiritually, which is really all that makes any difference. We want to look our best, certainly, and y'all need to come in here and dress up the best you can and put on the makeup and do all those fix your hair, please. But let me tell you today, 
God looks at us on the inside and he sees how beautiful we are. And he sees the day that we're getting stronger in him. That we're being built up in Christ today. Why? Because of the cross and the resurrection today. I look forward to that time, don't you? When we go into his presence. I look forward. It may not be very long. You know, I don't know. But we're to be ready. There was a man on the side of the road hitchhiking on a very dark night in the middle of a storm. It was late one night and no cars were passing. The storm was so strong he could hardly see a few feet ahead of him. Suddenly he saw a car come towards him and stop. And without further thought, he got in the back seat of the car, closed the door and turned to thank the driver stopping for him. It was then that he realized that there's nobody behind the wheel. And the car starts slowly down the road ahead again, and the guy looks at the road ahead and sees a curve coming his way. Scared, he closes his eyes and starts to pray for his life. And just before the car reaches the curve, a hand appears through the window and turns the steering wheel. And the guy, paralyzed with fear, watches how the hand appears every time they come to a curve in the road. Gathering his strength, he leaps from the car and turns to the runs to the nearest town. Wet in shock, he comes to a cafe and asks for a cup of stiff coffee. He quickly drinks his coffee and starts telling everybody about the horrible experience he's just been through. A silence envelops the cafe when the man begins to weep like a baby out of sheer fright from the experience he's been through. About half an hour later, two guys walk into the same cafe and one asks to the other, Look, Bob, there's the guy who got in the car when we were pushing it down the road. That's what God does. He reaches His unseen hand down into our lives and turns that wheel when we're headed to go over a cliff. Isn't that good news? That's what God does. He reaches in and He turns the wheel. He said, I got you, Jim. I got you, church. I got you. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because what Christ has done for us, I'll close with this. There's resurrection power. And that power is available for you and I. The Apostle Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection And to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know that. And if the Apostle Paul wants to know the resurrection power, I know you and I do also. But you see today, when you have resurrection power in your life, you can overcome these things in life. Because God Almighty will manifest that power. But you got to know it. If you don't know it. It's like the story of the Beverly Hillbillies. You ever heard it? Most of us probably remember the classic TV comedy. The lyrics to the theme song tell you what you need to know. Some of us could probably sing it by heart. Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food. And up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Ken folks said, Jed, move away from there. Said California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly 
hills, that is, swimming pools, and movie stars. A few years past this, Forbes magazine rated Jed as the number five on their list of the most of 15 richest fictional characters. <laughs> Forbes estimated that Jed Clampett had a net worth of $7.7 billion. And the point here is that Jed was worth that much all along. He just didn't know it. Do you know the resurrection power of Jesus in your life? Do you know what he did at Calvary and when he rose from the grave? The power that he gives us to overcome sin in our lives, to overcome any obstacle that the enemy puts in our lives, or whether or not the world puts it there or the flesh puts it there. We can overcome it when you know it. Because our hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Could the grave keep him in the could death keep, keep him in the grave? Could the soldiers keep him in the, in the grave? Could those obviously religious leaders keep him in the grave? No. Resurrection power in your life, in my life, is unstoppable. It's invincible. It is obviously the power you and I need every day to overcome the world. Jesus said, take heart. I have overcome the world. We have the life of Christ. Paul said that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives within me. The the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me and who loved me. That's the hope we have. The hope. Do you have that hope today? Do you have the hope? The resurrected power, I had somebody email me recently, and they're going through some real challenges. And I said, ask God to manifest the power of the resurrection in your life today. Whatever it is you're going through, I want to encourage you. Jesus is our hope. Up from the grave he arose. He arose. He arose. He arose. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you today. What a wonderful, glorious day this is. As we've come together, praise in your holy name. And we pray today that every person here would know and love Jesus. And dear God, if they don't, and maybe there are questions in their minds, but but they say, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to believe because I've heard the word and something is tugging at my heart right now. That I need to surrender and give my life to Christ. I pray today that if there be anyone here in that situation, that you bow your heart and just say, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to be washed clean of all that shame and all that guilt, all that regret. And dear God, Jesus is the only one that can do it because he's my hope. And I want to go to heaven when I die there be anyone here, I want to encourage you. there be anyone here who's never obviously just said, Lord, I know you as my Savior, but I've never made you Lord of my life. Today is the day that you bow and say, I want you to be Lord of my life. I've tried to control my life, and I've made a mess of it. And I ask you, Jesus, to come and be Lord of my life. Today may be the day. 
If he's tugging at your heartstring, I'm here, I'll stay, talk with you, pray with you. The Bible says if we're ashamed before men and before the Lord, before men, that obviously he'll be ashamed before us in heaven. We need to be open and share that and just say, I need prayer. The day may, you may need just prayer. Whatever it is your need is, you know, see, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to whatever it may be today. No matter whether you're suffering, maybe you're going and you're being persecuted. The Bible's Jesus said we will be persecuted. And really, when you are persecuted, it's one of the evidences that you're a child of God. If you're being challenged because of your faith, it could very well be. Because the enemy is saying, no, your witness is shining. And well, you need to stop that now. You need Jesus in your life. You need his strength. And you need his resurrection power. Whatever the, the obviously the need is, today is the day to call upon the name of the Lord. As we pray together, we ask it in Jesus' name.